Hey Bears fans, welcome to another episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're here to artificially inflate your fantasy numbers for the Bears so you don't have to. Or talk talk you out of drafting Bears players maybe. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, Jim's got a, a bullet point after the good stuff. Yeah, so follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Um, and find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you get your podcast. Appreciate everybody listening over what's been a rather slow off-season, to say the least, and not much has happened since our last recording, but there's been some couple of entertaining nuggets that we figured we'd start with, and then we're going to take this episode in a little bit of a different direction and just talk about the Bears' projections as far as some fantasy football goes. I know it's a little early to... For, for most leagues to be doing any drafting yet, but there's a lot of previews out there, and it's a fun way to get an idea of what different analysts are Absolutely. thinking about the Bears, and I think it kind of informs just how people think the team is going to do, because if the Bears have a lot of good fantasy football players, then chances are they'll probably be a pretty good team, and vice versa. So <laughs> it, it figured it'd be a fun way to take this one in a little bit different direction, but I did want to start off, because a couple episodes ago we talked about the initial projection for the Bears over-under uh, in Vegas and just at all the sports books. And apparently the sports books have received quite a bit of strong feedback on the initial number. And <laughs> I'm just going to read a post here. This is from Caesar Sportsbook. So the Bears win total opened at six and a half. And not only have the Bears received the most under money among every NFL team, it's by a rather large margin. <laughs> Chicago's under has nabbed 67% more money than the next closest under, wow. which is the Falcons. And other than the Falcons, the Bears have collected at least twice as much money on the under <laughs> as any other NFL team. <laughs> uh, among all Bears win total wagers, the under has attracted 79% of the total number of tickets and 95% of the total dollars. So so what are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> so it seems that there is a bit of a consensus amongst the gambling population that the Bears' win total may have been set a little bit too high. Uh, I guess my understanding is they don't typically change the over-under unless there's a big injury or a surprise trade or something. It's more that they just adjust what the payout will be. So if you're looking to bet Bears under six and a half wins, you've probably missed your opportunity and you're not going to get a very good value on that bet. But you might still win some money if the overwhelming majority of the gambling population is any indication <laughs> on, on how this season's going to go. So. Hey. I've still got two bucks going towards the over. Oh, well, hey, that would probably get you a pretty good return because <laughs> it doesn't sound like anybody's betting the over right now. And that can obviously change, and I, when we talked about it, we certainly felt that there's a chance that maybe this team could scratch, and, scratch and claw its way to seven wins. <laughs> I, I, I really believe that, and it, it just it, it would it would also be. Uh, in line with what the Bears usually do, right? They get when when they get picked to win a lot, they they usually get like nine or ten wins, right? And when they get picked to lose a lot, they end up with you know seven or eight wins, just enough so that we end up in the middle of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. 
in a year that I think a lot of people think the top part of the draft is going to be pretty good, the Bears will probably be just enough, to, just good enough to fall outside of that range. And, okay, uh, we're we're in position to get the number three pick. You can't win this last game. They win. Oh, now we're picking thirteenth. What was the? <laughs> it was the. The year before they drafted Trubisky, and yeah. <laughs> I think the Bears beat the 49ers, and had the Bears lost that game, then they never would have had yes. to trade the pick that they did to, to San Francisco to get Trubisky. Right. So, yeah, that, that you know, I mean, y- y- you're never going to be able to tell professional coaches and players to lose on purpose, but... In hindsight, there certainly have been some times where it probably would have been better for the long-term direction of the franchise to maybe lose that game and go 2-14 and 14 instead of 3-13. and 13. Absolutely. <laughs> Legitimately so. It, you know, it's it, there has been that uh, a little bit of that buzz around uh, about that the Bears are tanking. Um, I think that is a, one of the biggest load of crap uh, lines that I've seen uh, of recent, just because it, it's just not in the Bears' core to do that, and it's like you know, it's you just we're even legitimizing that just from our our history. We we just haven't done that, and this team I think is going to have enough, like you said, you know, bite and claw and kick and just grit their way enough to six seven. Eight wins. I, I think it's going to be in there. I think it's going to be in that in that five to eight win range. Um, and I have a feeling that quite a few of the games are going to uh, be uh, like uh, like the Vikings were uh, last year when they were losing all those games. You know, at the last minute, and you know, by less than seven. That's what I feel like is going to happen too. I, I think it's going to be a year where the Bears, to go back to gambling, probably cover a lot of spreads. Good. I think they'll probably go into most games as pretty heavy underdogs, and I think they'll probably... Take lose, the Bears and the points. Yeah, lose by less than that. And I think they probably will win a couple games that you wouldn't expect them to otherwise, and I think they'll be in most games. I, I hope that we're not going to see as many blowouts as we saw last year. I don't think because so. Because that's no fun for anybody, and it isn't a good reflection on your franchise when you're out there on the field and you just don't even look like you're playing the same game as the other team. You know, attitude and motivation, uh, you, you have to have the skill, you have to put in the work. But attitude and motivation for the team as a whole make a huge difference. And I don't think you have to argue with anybody that they didn't have either of those things last year. No. So, you know, uh, I think... Um, uh, I, I think... It's like I said. It's going to be right there at the end. We're going to see in, a, in the last uh, you know two minutes of the game. We're going to see a, a lot of games get decided right then. And you know when you look at uh, uh, field starts, uh, I don't have the hard numbers in front of me, but I do know that several of his games you know came down to that. You know he lost a, he lost two games, the Ravens and the and the and the Steelers games mm-hmm. right there at the end, and that wasn't his fault. Yeah, you know so. Um, I, I think that uh, I think that uh, with a motivated uh, team that is out there as working as one unit, uh, you could we could squeeze out some of those. Of course, we're probably going to lose some of them too. So <laughs> yeah, and injuries are always the great equalizer, right? So. And you know that's you know we'll, we'll have to see what that what comes of that because you know there was some bad injuries, but 
actually the Bears kind of squeaked out the season with uh, as far as injuries were mm-hmm. concerned. Not too bad. Last year and, yeah, no, certainly not last year. And it feels like under the Matt Nagy, uh, under, under his coaching tenure, it feels like they actually had fairly okay injury luck. Obviously, last year, Mac being out really hurt, but that team wasn't going anywhere anyway. But I remember right. going back to, like, 2018, they were kind of weirdly healthy, and they had very few players on the injury report until the end of the year when Eddie Jackson got hurt, which yep. hurt them a lot. But, you know, sometimes in the NFL, just injuries just derail your season. God. So That one was a real killer, too, <laughs> right there, right at the very end. Yeah, but... You know that's that's ancient history at this point, right, and right. we're looking ahead. So yeah. should we should we talk about fantasy yeah, so, football? Uh, so Bears fans, uh, we're we're gonna uh, do a little fantasy uh, um, uh, prognosticating today, and you know it is really early in the season, but hey, as for as long as I've played fantasy, you can talk about fantasy any time of the year, right? Yeah, it's never too early to start It's never too early to start looking at what's going to be involved with the draft. So obviously a lot will change. We know that. Right, right. And that's that's for then. But this is just so, I I was curious myself, just to go and look at where they um, they were numbered. And so I took a look at ESPN. Jim took a look at The Athletic. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and start with, uh, Justin Fields and, uh, Fields with, uh, with ESPN, he's projected as uh, number 19, uh, at that, at that position. I actually think that's a little low. What do you think? Yeah. The athletic has him at 16, so they have him ranked slightly higher than ESPN, but around the same range. Yeah. To get... I, I, I do think that 19 is a little low for him because I think that, um, he has that, he has those golden legs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, drafting a quarterback in the NFL, you want a guy that throws them, and he also runs them. So, uh, getting you know, uh, Jim and I were talking six points for a rushing touchdown yeah. as opposed to four for a passing. Yeah, it's he. He strikes me as one of those quarterbacks that might not have a great year in terms of actually playing quarterback, but could have a really good fantasy year if he stays healthy. Number one, like you just said, he is able to run the ball a lot. I'm sure that'll be a part of the offensive game plan. So quarterbacks that can earn you fantasy points on the ground are very valuable. Absolutely. And number two, the Bears probably will be losing a lot of games. Mm -hmm. And when you're losing, inherently you just pass more and teams maybe play more of a prevent defense. You can just rack up yards in the fourth quarter when teams are blowing you out or when you're you know, just trying to get back into a game and teams are kind of giving you a little bit more of a, a of a free uh, passing, a, a free backfield in terms of passing. So it, it reminded me of last year when I was really high on Jalen Hurts for a lot of the same reasons, mobile quarterback on a bad team that was going to throw a lot and Hurts ended up having a really good fantasy year and now he's ranked number three in the athletics rankings going into 2022. So Fields might be in that category. I think he is actually more talented than Hurts. Me too. But I think the reason he's so low is just because of what the Bears have around him. Right. And we've talked about that at nauseum, but just the more and more I think about this offensive line, I mean, it, it, it could surprise us and be better than we're expecting, but it could also be a complete disaster. Right. If you get a couple bad injuries or if you get 
underperformance from a couple of the veterans that you have projected as starters. I mean, the offensive line could be absolutely terrible. That's that's on the table. And if that happens, then that derails your entire offense. So I'm, I'm that's just, true. I mean, if he's getting two seconds to throw the ball every single time, if he's having to run for his life on every snap, uh, obviously that's not going to be conducive for the offense to score anything nor him. Uh, but uh, last year, uh, going off numbers from last year, uh, I read that uh, six of his first seven appearances, he only had single digits in scoring, so that's not so good. Mm-hmm. But rebounded uh, to finish the year in the top 12 in points in the final four games. Fields? So, yeah. The, the final four games he played? Yep. So that would have been, what, the Pittsburgh game, the Baltimore game, San Francisco probably? Yep. And in Detroit? Pratt's on. Uh, no, that would have been Dalton. But regardless. No, uh, Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, well, the Minnesota game, he played well. Mm-hmm. But he just didn't. Um, no, wait. He, he didn't play well in the Minnesota game. He played well in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Sure, so. Right, right. So, um, uh, in his final four appearances, not necessarily the final four games. Sure, yeah. But, um, uh, Still, that's pretty solid. Last year, uh, 159 to 270, 1,870 yards, seven touchdowns, 10 picks. Uh, This year, they're projecting him to throw the ball over 500 times. Wow. 325 of 514 is the projection. 3,624 yards, 18 touchdowns, 15 picks. So they're, they're, they're looking at him a bit like a gunslinger. But then you know, you, you, but eighteen touchdowns is obviously a, a, a better projection. Still, we want to see a quarterback that can get over uh, thirty. But um, you know, one of the things also is uh, looking at uh, uh, around five uh, five hundred seventy nine yards projected rushing mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a few more touchdowns. There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that strikes me as a. Pretty good improvement on last year. Obviously, like you said, you want more yards, you want more touchdowns, you want fewer picks. But if we're treating this as essentially the rookie year for Justin Fields, that would strike me as pretty good. Assuming there's a couple of games in there that really flash, right? Like right. You, you want to see those games where he's out there and he's in command of the offense and the Bears are in a game or win a game because of him. Right. And... I think that's certainly on the table. Assuming the rest of his his offense holds up, it was funny. I was going back to the offensive line a little bit. I was listening to an interview with Ross Tucker, who was a former sure. NFL offensive lineman, and now he's an analyst. And he said that not only on paper are the Bears the worst offensive line in the NFL. He said that there's one or two teams that you could make an argument have a better second string offensive line <laughs> than the Bears have a first string. So. That's obviously not great feedback, um, but, um, you know, like like I said, it's entirely possible that the team surprises us and that some of these guys play a little bit better than what they're projected as. Yeah, so his, um, his last two games uh, were week 14 and 15. Uh, week 14, he put up, uh, you know, this is your standard PPR. He put up uh, 18.36 points, and uh, that was week 14 at Green Bay. 
And uh, week 15 uh, versus Minnesota, he put up 16.9. That's pretty good. So, I mean, both of those are, yeah, are very solid. Um, that Baltimore game, he only had 3.46 points. That when he didn't uh, play the whole game. But, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, 18.14. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, you know, it's it's a it's a good start, right? So I think uh, I think what we'll see is um, uh, we'll see those kind of numbers. I, I think pretty consistently. I, I I'm looking at him in the high teens I, per I th- game. I think so too. I, I think he's probably a little bit underrated from a fantasy perspective. If you look at some of the players that he's ranked around, immediate he's immediately behind at least in the athletic Trey Lance, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence and he's immediately ahead of Kirk Cousins to uh Ryan Tannehill so probably at the tail end of what I would call the good quarterbacks in the NFL and then <laughs> the guys the guys behind him probably aren't much to get excited about yeah this one he's He's right behind Zach Wilson and right in front of Daniel Jones. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I, I'm surprised the Athletic has him ahead of Cousins, but I think you make a good point that Cousins probably just isn't the best fantasy quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's never had really great fantasy numbers. Uh, he, I mean, he's a, a good quarterback in the NFL, but not really good fantasy quarterback. Okay, so uh, we're moving on to running backs. And um, uh, I, the... Uh, ESPN has uh, Montgomery at 15. I think that's about right. Um, yeah, he's I, at 21 in the athletic. Yeah, I think he's he, he might be a little bit high right there because um, we're going to have to see what kind of bite Herbert takes uh, out of his carries. Uh, this did have a, a projection of him uh, carrying the ball less, uh, but they still had uh, 242 carries. 968 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, also, um, 45 catches for 331 yards. Yeah, that's interesting because I think the Bears are going to be running the ball a lot. I think they are smart enough to know that they're probably going to be less talented than their opponent pretty much every week. So my guess is they're going to want to run the ball and keep the clock moving and try to win games that way. Right. So obviously that is a good sign for the running backs and Montgomery going into the year looks to be the starter and he'll get the higher percentage of carries. But it's it's interesting to think through because obviously they have uh, Khalil Herbert as well, who had a really nice year last year, and I think they like what they see in him. And they also drafted uh, Ebner, who uh, his best his best skill is being a receiver out of the backfield. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how the actual carries and the snaps uh, are divided up amongst the running backs, and if Montgomery is kind of the feature back all year, or if he starts to lose snaps to those other two players that I mentioned, right? as well as Valus Jones, who they drafted, who I think they'll use as a bit of a hybrid, but I do think Montgomery looks, you know, positioned to have a nice year, just when you think about the fact that I think they're going to run the ball a lot, and I think that if he stays healthy, he'll probably have a pretty nice fantasy year, and I bet he'll find his way into the end zone a few times, too. Well, and Ebner, uh, they're projecting here, they they uh, uh, mentioned that his career rushing efficiency is not good. Um, 
lost yards on 25% of his carries while in college. Only a 2.6 per carry. Yeah, that's not that's very good. That's not good at all. But um, at the same time, uh, nothing I read since they drafted him was talking about his abilities as a running back. Everything that I saw was about him catching the ball out of the backfield. And special teams. Yeah, and special teams, right. Uh, being a, 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 a release valve underneath. Um, and that's and we need that guy. Yeah. Um, in fact, it could be very interesting because we'll probably, uh, and we'll be you know talking about Valus Jones, but he's going to be in that area too because they're going to be looking for him to leg it out, right? So... Um, you know, you could see uh, Ebner as as your stay in guy until the last minute, and then leak out. Which under fire, if the offensive line is as bad as some projected to be, could really help us uh, push the defense off the line. I'm just picturing that as something that's just going to piss off David Montgomery fantasy owners on you because <laughs> you're going to be watching the game and you're going to be in a PPR league with Montgomery and you're going to see Ebner catching two, three-yard passes out of the backfield. <laughs> just those little checkdowns and you're just going to be like, oh, gosh, I need those points. But, yep. you know, I, I think... I do think Montgomery will get the opportunity to be the number one guy. I, I think that he is... Uh, player that's very easy to respect and had a nice year last year with the Bears but it'll be interesting to see how those snaps get distributed because Herbert really showed a lot of nice things too and I think could be a sneaky player to pick up in a later round of the fantasy draft um, if he's still sitting there and as we just talked about with Ebner I don't think Ebner has any fantasy value but I think he will get some snaps and will probably steal some points from those other two guys. Right, so um, uh, let's uh, let, let's take it to the take it to the next guys. Let's uh, go look at uh, receivers. All right, let's do it. So, I was not expecting the Bears to be very high on any of these lists, and I think that is what I think that expectation was met uh, in the athletic. At least Darnell Mooney is their highest ranked wide receiver. No surprise there, and he's number twenty seven at uh, ESPN twenty three. Okay, so. Obviously, that means he's, you know, there are teams with, most teams have at least one, if not two two players ranked ahead of him just in the fantasy projections, and I think when you go back to the offense, that's just because he's clearly their best player. He's going to get the number one cornerback matched up against him in most times, and I think opposing defensive coordinators are going to look at the Bears and say, that's probably the only guy that can really beat us in terms of explosive plays. So yeah. we're going to take him away, and we're going to make the Bears go down the field with running plays and with shorter passes to Pringle and Komet and everybody else. But Darnell Mooney, from all we've heard, the Bears are very high on him. Obviously, the fifth-round pick, he had a great rookie year. He was really good again last year playing with terrible quarterback. Huge jump. And terrible coaching. With terrible coaching and terrible... Uh, you know, terrible compliments. Yep. So, obviously, he's going to get the opportunity to be that number one guy, and it's really a matter of, from a fantasy perspective, do you believe in the Bears' offense, and do you believe that he has the ability to truly be that number one guy? Because even though we know Allen Robinson didn't play well last year, 
in most of the games, Allen Robinson was still out there on the field with him, and he was still drawing attention from the defense. Mooney's not going to have that this year. He is the undisputed best receiver on the team, so he's going to be the focal point of the defensive game plan. Yeah, I still, though, I still give Mooney some credit, though, because certainly in the second half of the year, in the last quarter of the season, uh, people weren't looking at Robinson that much yeah. anymore. I mean, he had a total disaster of a season. Yeah. Um, and Mooney, uh, like you said, he ended up playing with three different quarterbacks last year. Um, but certainly, at least to me, his best uh, plays came with Fields. Uh, it was unmistakable that they had a solid rapport chemistry right from the get-go uh and he was looking for Mooney the whole way that that got nothing but reinforced during the offseason they literally have spent the entire offseason together uh yeah. working on timing uh, you, you that is gonna that's gonna pay off there there's no doubt in my mind about that and we're talking about a receiver that finished in the top 20 uh, in snaps, routes, targets, receptions, and yards. Wow. Uh, and uh, he was uh, 14th in red zone targeting. Um, and uh, he, was, he, he had 27% of the team's targets, which was 10th highest among receivers. That's... So, I mean, people were, you know, defensive coordinators were going, who cares about it? At, at some point, they were going, we we don't need to look at Robinson here. We need to we need to be looking at at Mooney because that's where they're going with the ball. Yeah, and like you said, the fact that him and Fields have been working out all off season is certainly exciting because those are two of the young building blocks. You hope so. If they do develop a nice connection, that's only going to serve Mooney well in fantasy football this year. And the other thing to think about too is. This is his third year, so after this year, he's due for a contract extension. Right. So if he busts out this year, he's in line for a huge payday. Huge so payday. He's going to be motivated. He is going to be given the opportunity to be the number one receiver for the Chicago Bears. And if he has the same kind of year this year as he did last year, he's going to get a five-year contract from the Bears, and I bet it'll be... 18... Up- 20 um, approaching yeah probably approaching triple digits well nine, well, nine is, digits in terms of total value so, so this is something that we talked about earlier in the offseason was the fact that when you look at him versus the other guys in his class he is right behind justin jefferson and um uh who was the other one um i'm not sure but jefferson is uh he, he was he was like he was in the top five in, in in that draft class, in that conversation, at all of the stats. And I mean, when you're talking about, uh, I think I had him down as the 17th receiver taken in that draft. Um, you know, I mean... Uh, C.D. Lamb is probably who you're C.D. Lamb. There we go. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's pretty good company right there. Uh, <laughs> and especially considering both of them were high, you know, first-round picks. So, yeah, absolutely. And So this guy has, no matter how you slice it, he has already had a pretty uh, extraordinary uh, season uh, or, or career in the NFL. Yeah, he's already exceeded expectations, and... Justin Jefferson was obviously a, a generational talent. Unbelievable. S- special receiver. C.D. Lamb, 
you could say the same thing and about CD him. CD Lamb so. would probably be numero uno if it wasn't for Justin Jefferson. Yeah, so those are two just elite wide receiver talents. And they have, were expected to be. That have made good. And so the fact that Mooney's up there with them, to your point, is a really nice compliment to what he's done in the NFL so far as a fifth-round pick. I mean, I'm just scanning through this draft now. and It's uh, it's unbelievable when you look at it real close. Yeah, have, it, I, I mean, that's what I did. I did a, a deep dive on this. uh and I just was blown away at um, at his numbers uh, compared to the rest of the people in his class. And you know, this was a this was a draft class, uh, you know, a, a couple of years ago that had uh, 35, 36 receivers go uh, go in that draft. You know, and he was in the he was in the mid twenties. Um, so you know, the fact that he the fact that he has uh, th- that he has made that leap. Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about it a million times, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it. That was where, you know, Pace had his magic hand, you know. I mean, some for some reason he couldn't pick a first or second round very well, but when it came to fifth, he, he was perfect. Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, first receiver taken in this draft, Henry Ruggs. Oof. Yeah, that's, well, uh, you know, and, and, and that's just because he's a total... You know, wacko. Yeah, I mean, uh, but he, a lot of off the field problems. But then you get into right Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson. Who Jerry you? Judy, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so and you know, with Rugs, Rugs was still extremely highly rated coming out of college. You know, nobody can project that he would go and kill somebody. Right. Uh, so you, you can't do that. Um, and you know, drunk driving accidents happen. It's not an excuse for them. Just saying that they do happen because stupid young people make stupid mistakes. Yeah. Um, that's not an excuse again for them. I'm just saying that that kind of thing happens in the regular world. Yeah, you can't project it. You right? can't like, project <laughs> that. You can't say, "Yeah, this guy's going to be," you know, uh, "this he, guy's going to jail for <laughs> 30 years." Right. So, but, um, but any way you look at it, he has elevated himself into a place that, by normal standards, he should not be. Yeah, I I agree with that, and you know, I, I boy, if if he comes, if he falls in a fantasy football draft, and maybe you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, depending on how many teams are in your league, you know, it. it I, I think Darnell Mooney will have some value. Um, it's just it's tough to bet on this Bears offense so, when you look at the names. So I did want to mention this because this was the when I looked at Mooney real close. Um, this is the this is the one kicker. Last year, he only caught .578 of his targets. 57.8% is not good enough. It's That is fifth-round draft pick. Okay. He had a lot okay. of drops, right? Like, yeah, he had a lot of drops. Um, and, you know, targets is subjective because, you know, the, the, the ball has got to get to him. But at the same time, when these, with these advanced metrics... They get pretty picky on them, right? Well, but regardless, and I just fifty-seven point eight is not good enough. And I just remember watching the games, and I remember some drops where he was wide. He open. had some, he had some very bad drops. So he's got to get that cleaned up. Right. He's still young. He's, I'm sure, working very, very hard this offseason because, like we talked about, it's an opportunity for him to make generational wealth if he has a good year this year. Right. So. And see, if you look at, if you go and you look at those. Uh, those big name guys, uh, specifically C.D. Lamb and, and Justin Jefferson, both of them were around that 70 percentile in catching, right? Their targets, and so if he can now, 
these these projections they only have him catching fifty eight point five, which that's not going to cut it. If he if he wants to truly be an elite receiver, he has to get a ten point increase there because you should be seeing your receiver your top flight receivers at sixty eight to seventy two percent. And uh, now at the same time. He's going to get to play with the same guy. That should help. Uh, we we all seem to believe that Getsy is going to do a better job with this offense than the previous regime, right? And you have a quarterback and a receiver that have been doing every single possible thing they could to, to make sure they're on the same page. All of those things definitely project to be uh, more beneficial. You think so? It's a good storyline for sure. Um, any other <laughs> Bears receivers with fantasy value? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, you know, of course, the next one would definitely be uh, Pringle. Uh, Pringle, where was it? What was his number on your list? Uh, Pringle. 67, I think. Okay, so ESPN had Pringle at 51, so okay. mu- much better than. Uh, what you had there, and um, they had uh, Valus Jones at seventy six. Um, I think uh, I think one of those two guys could turn out to be a, a really sneaky uh, good pick. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of you know your projections, Valus Jones is of course interesting because we could see him seriously leg out some big home runs. That's what he did in college. Mm-hmm. It's not new to him. It's something that he has shown that he could do in the Pac-12 and in the SEC. So that's that's a that's a legitimate threat, right? The guy's got the speed and he's got the football speed, the field speed to do that, right? Yeah. So we could see we could see that. Um, and uh, he his as far as his receiving numbers last year at Tennessee, they were they were decent. You know, yeah. I think it was in that 500 yard range. You know, so uh, we we could see that. Yeah, I, I would think that if you're playing in a larger league, if you've got a 16-team league or an 18-team league, that's probably when you're going to start thinking about drafting Pringle or Jones. I think Pringle is a sneaky, nice pickup. I bet he'll have a nice season. I bet he'll be somewhere five, 600 yards. I bet he'll catch a lot of passes. So, so here, uh, last year, he caught 42 of 60 balls. Jones? Yep. Yep. Or no, Pringle. Oh, Pringle. Seventy okay. percent. Uh, okay, that's right? pretty good. That's, I mean, that's very solid at any level, right? Uh, five hundred sixty-eight yards, thirteen point five yard average. That's very good too for being the number three or number four guy, which uh, how, however you want to measure him out for Kansas City last year, and five touchdowns. That's a solid line. I don't care what anybody says. That is a solid line for an NFL receiver. Geez, we we would have easily taken that guy from you know. I mean, he he would have he would have only been behind Mooney, you know. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I'd like to plug that. Yeah, he outplayed Robinson last year. So uh, this year they have his numbers dropping off a little bit. Um, it, uh, lack of targets uh, down to fifty three targets, only two touchdowns. Yeah. I I don't I don't agree with their projections on him. I think Pringle is um, is. It, at that spot, that uh, he's ready to, if he's gonna, if he's gonna be a better receiver, he can build on those numbers from last year, and he could be, he could be a solid number two. 
I, I think, or at least number three. I think so, but just from more of a fantasy perspective, I, I would say, like I said, it's definitely a guy that if you're in a bigger league, there's probably some value there because right. it, it feels like somebody that. On, well, on a bad team, you need people to catch the ball. Yeah. So he's going to be getting his targets, despite what ESPN says there. I, I think that Fields will probably look to him second if Mooney's taken away by the defense. And I, I think Pringle will be a nice signing. I, I, I don't know that he's going to be somebody that's going to win you a lot of fantasy football games, but he might be somebody that when you get into the middle of the season and there's a lot of injuries, if you've got him stashed on your bench, he might be able to fill in and get you out of a game or two. Right. And, um, you know, like you were saying, uh, we could see him, you know, uh, basically as uh, a flex guy, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And and he is going to get his targets. He is going to be out there for a lot of snaps. Um, And just uh, exposure, uh, availability on the field is going to help get him some fantasy numbers. So, you know, when you are in the 12 and 14 team leagues, you know, uh, and you are looking for just a guy that's going to at least get you a few points rather than a big fat zero, uh, he, he could be your guy. I think so. And he's got the same thing with Mooney. I mean, this is Pringle's opportunity for a big contract. If he plays well this year, he's going to get a second contract from the Bears or somewhere else if he doesn't want to stay. But, um, you know, I, I think. Not somebody that you're going to be starting in fantasy leagues week one, unless you're in like a 20-team league or something crazy, but <laughs> I, I think it could potentially be a sneaky value pick if you are betting on him to stay healthy and to play a role in the offense later in the year. And on Jones, I think probably just too unpredictable right now. We, we have no idea how they're going to use him. I would imagine that them taking him in the third round means they see him as a meaningful part of the offense and not just somebody that's going to play on special teams. Absolutely. But I, I don't He'll think... He'll be on the field week one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would assume so. But I just don't think you know enough about what their plan is for him or how the offense is going to look to really count on him. But, you know, I've been known to take a guy later in the draft that is a bit of a, 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 a swing and a miss type of candidate. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you connect on it, it's kind of a swing hard in case you hit it type of thing. Yeah, so. I could, you know, Jones is one of those guys, I think you could see him come out of a game with 12 points or zero. Yeah, or, I mean, he could have, he could have, a, I, I bet at some point this year we'll see him take a screen pass or an end around for a 60-yard touchdown. Absolutely. Like, I, I think he'll have a game or two like that. I just don't think he'll be consistent because that type of player isn't a consistently reliable fantasy player unless you're talking about like Debo Samuel or right. one of the truly special guys there. Like, right. That's why you know, I, I never t- I never suggested taking Tariq Cohen in fantasy just because <laughs> boomer bust, right? It's that's, like that's a perfect it's a perfect analogy. Yeah, you're you're relying on them to kind of break a big play, and sometimes you know actually more often than not that just doesn't happen. Okay, so of course we can't forget Cole Shaheen. Oh wait, no. Uh, uh, Cole Komet, um, I, we're both in agreement uh, that Komet uh, took a, a good uh, a good step forward last year. Um, he has really been working his tail off. Again, spending a lot of time with Mooney and Fields. Uh, he actually uh, dropped some weight. Uh, he's looking like a total physical beast. Uh, as far as that aspect is concerned. And we forget, that guy is really big. Um, I mean, he He's not one of your 6'4 tight ends. He's a 6'7 guy. He's also really 
young still. And he is. He's only 22 or 23 years old. He's 23. So. so he came into the league at 21. Yeah. So he... And, uh, you know, they, the Bears are looking at him like, hey, we need you. We need you to be that guy. Now, I, I, I certainly... Uh, Jim and I have talked about him, and we don't expect him to be Travis Kelsey. He doesn't have the... I don't think he has the speed to be Travis Kelsey. But, um, but he definitely does... Uh, have uh, he had some good plays last year where he was able to get himself open for first downs. He should be a first down machine for us. That's what I like to see him. And yeah, when it comes to red zone targets, yeah, this was the uh, this uh, the, you know he was the, he had the 14th most uh, red zone uh, targets of uh, of any. Uh, tied in last year. So, what? And he had zero touchdowns? Yeah, zero touchdowns. <laughs> I, I don't know how that happens. But um, I, I think we see him uh, more prevalently. Um, you know, I mean, and at the same time, um, he can be a great decoy in the end zone, right? Because, I mean, he is such a big target. Uh, he's going to draw attention. Yeah, when I was just thinking about this before even looking at any of these draft previews, I was kind of thinking that Cole Komet could be a sneaky nice fantasy pick just because I think the Bears are going to target him a ton like he could catch 10 passes a game which in a PPR league is valuable now most of those might be for like two or three yards Mm -hmm. but I I think the quarterback's going to be under fire and he's going to need to throw a lot of checkdowns and I think Komet seems like the most likely candidate to catch a lot of those checkdowns which if you're playing PPR and you catch a lot of short passes at the tight end position that automatically gets you a spot in the starting lineup every week, if not considered one of the better options each week. I think that he's got to improve on the touchdowns. I mean, zero touchdowns last year is just a killer when you're talking about fantasy football. But other than that, I think that he has all of the makings of being a sneaky good pick for the tight end position if you're not going to get one of the top guys like Kelsey or Kittle, right? So, so uh, a quick peek at his stats from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he was uh, he caught 60 balls out of 93 targets, uh, which is a respectable 64.5. Needs to be higher, but that's respectable. Um, at a 10.2-yard average clip. That is very solid for a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, you, you mentioned Gasecki earlier. Gasecki, I think, was only around the eight or nine. Um, uh, but this these projections uh, have him uh, getting uh, about eighty five targets uh, at a sixty five point eight percent clip. That seems very realistic, very doable. Ten point eight yard average, four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean that's the key with him is you. It's year three and. Sometimes it just takes tight ends some time. Like, I was texting you the other day, and I can't believe that Mike Ditka still has the record for most <laughs> most rookie receiving yards for a tight end. Which I got that right. Yeah, like Mike Ditka, back when they played 14 games and basically didn't throw forward passes, <laughs> still has the NFL record. Like, I, that blew my mind. I, I can't even... I, I still honestly can't wrap my head around that. But that just goes to show that it's pretty rare for tight ends to come into the league and to make an impact right away. So, Especially yeah, as a rookie, yeah. but uh, it also shows what kind of athletic ability uh, uh, Mike Dicka had. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, you're looking at, uh, was that 61? That sounds right. Yeah, I think it was 61. I mean, he was a total badass. He, he really was. And, uh, you know, when, when he came in and did that, 
it shocked the NFL. They had never seen uh, somebody play that position that way. Yeah, it's, which is wild. Like a, a passing record in the NFL is still standing from the '60s. It's yeah, just unbelievable. Wild me, but like, especially because you know, t- again to reiterate what you were saying, tight ends weren't focused on that that way at that at, at that oh. time. You know, halfback was 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 a real thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you looked at you looked for that guy more often than you did the tight end. Now, tight end is a serious focal point. And uh, you know, Bears fans, I, I when he was asking me about this, I said, "Well, it was Dick." I said, "The one person that might have be, might have beat it is Pitts, yeah. who is easily the highest ranked tight end coming out of college in a." At least a decade. And he missed it right? by like 50 yards. Yeah, and he, he came very close. But again, three was more. That, three, was that in 17 games, Yeah, so though? three more games than Ditka had. Wow. It's just wild. Like, that, that stat is just And, and you got to remember, Pitts, the argument with him is being made already that he wants to be qualified. He wants to be called a receiver. Yeah. Because he knows he'll make much bigger dollars than as a tight end. So, I mean, that's a heck of a comparison. Absolutely. But going back to Komet, right? So, rookie year, you kind of just throw that out for a tight end. Last year, I think for just everybody on the offense, you just kind of have to throw that in the garbage. And so, 60 balls for 612 yards. That's solid. Yeah. So, like this year, maybe, you know, if he, if he takes that next step, as I would expect a few people on this offense to do with better coaching, then he might actually look like a pretty solid draft pick when I think a lot of Bears fans have been down on in the last couple of years. So in this projection, they have him with only five ninety nine. Uh, I I'm going to go ahead and scratch that off. I, I think that out of all of the picks uh, that the Bears uh, will generate this year in fantasy football drafts, he's my top sneaky guy. Now I mean I, I mean sneaky as in. Everybody, he's going to get drafted. I bet in he'll be drafted in 90 percent plus leagues. Uh, but I think he's going to be taken much later on in the draft than his in numbers will show. Yeah, I think so. And you said five ninety nine. Yeah, I would, I would take the over on that. I think uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I would expect him more. Uh, I think he's going to beat last year's total yeah, of I mean, six twelve. The Athletic has him ahead of Mike Kosicki, who is another one that. Is just got a, a contract and is trying to make the argument that he's basically a receiver and, and not a tight end. They've got him ahead of Dawson Knox on Buffalo. They got him ahead of David Njoku, who just got a big contract. Well, Gasicki was, uh, you know, one of the guys that you were kind of liking uh, in the in the mm-hmm. off season, um, and he he drew a lot of attention uh, from free agency. Yeah, I mean, they got him ahead of Hunter Henry, Logan Thomas, so he is ahead of some pretty productive tight ends, including guys that are making a lot of money. So, I, I think that. That's a like I said a, a nice option if you don't get one of the top guys at tight end. If you want to spend your higher round picks elsewhere, and then maybe see if you can snag Cole Komet when others are spending their first and second round picks on Kelsey and right. Kittle, that might be a decent strategy. Because I, I do think Komet will have a pretty nice and consistent year. Because I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I think any Bears fan would automatically say he's definitely going to be out there. Yeah. He's definitely going to be a focal point of the offense. Oh, they don't have any other tight ends that can... They, they don't, right? I mean, literally lack of other guys yeah. is going to be is going to work to his advantage. But I, I when you look at that uh when you look at that 65% catch rate, when you look at uh the amount of targets that he got 
and that 10.2 yard average, those are saying to Getsy, hey, this is a this is the first down machine. This is this is where we need to look for him. When we're in uh, third and f- third and five, third and seven, that's the that's the guy that you want to be looking for. Absolutely. So um, okay, so uh, so the well, so we the, athletic, to... the athletic didn't have defensive rankings, but what does so, ESPN have to say? ESPN ranked him as number twenty six. The defense? No, I thought it was twenty eight. No, twenty six. Okay, and then then at kicker, Cairo Santos. Well, he was he was ranked twenty eight. Well, which I, I, I mean, because Santos had a nice year last year. Santos had a, and a solid I, year. I don't want to spend too much time on kicker ratings for fantasy football, but I, I was thinking like, ah, Santos, he might be a decent kicker, but I guess that just means that ESPN doesn't think the Bears are going to score any points. Like, exactly. exactly. Like you guys aren't, you guys aren't going to be good enough to even get into field goal range. So. But um, it's it's been a while since I think I've noticed the Bears D start at twenty six to begin the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean that that that's 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 pretty low. So um, also, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know about this. So uh, as a team uh, on the ESPN rankings. Uh, the top guy, uh, the number one guy that they have rated is David Montgomery, uh, followed by Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Justin Fields, Bayless Jones, Khalil Herbert, Byron Pringle, Darrington Evans, <laughs> James O'Shaughnessy, oh. Cairo Santos, Bears D, Daz, Daz Newsome. And there's good old Equinemius St. Brown. He's a he's a he's a little bit down there, right? So yeah, don't don't draft Equinemius St. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're projecting him to have nine catches this year. Mm. So he had nine catches last year. That's not good. I I, I actually disagree with that. Um, I still think that uh, I think Equinemius is going to be a surprise. Um, I don't think he's going to be a huge surprise. I don't think he's going to be uh, you know shocking the NFL or anything. But I do think he did. He's going to show himself to be uh, a definitely a, an, an NFL receiver. I I think so too. I I, I think you made a good point. It's that Getzy wouldn't have brought him here if he didn't see some potential. Uh, yeah, I mean it, they they did it at the beginning of the season, so it wasn't like uh, you know they waited around. I mean he said he went to his coach. He went to his head coach and said, "Hey, uh, I think we should grab this guy while the grabbing's good." And they and they did, and they didn't pay anything for him. He he's getting under a million a year. So and, and you know at least with him, he has to be at least looking at his brother, saying, "My brother is like making a serious killing in the NFL right now. If I don't even want to be in the league, I need to do something." So yeah, it's like I I don't think that like. NFL teams don't waste roster spots on guys that they see absolutely no upside in, right? right. So, like, Equinemius St. Brown is big. He is fast. He is both of those things yeah. in spades. It just didn't come together in Green Bay. And who knows? Maybe that's because he didn't know the offense, or maybe it's because Rodgers didn't like him. But I, I do think that there could be some upside there. Probably not from a fantasy perspective, but no. in terms of just maybe somebody that makes a little bit more of an impact than we're currently projecting. Like, I, I think Getsy probably has some idea for how he can improve. I, well, he was, uh, he's been with the, he's been around the kid the entire, his entire career. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if anybody, uh, that's, you know, and this is, 
something that we saw a recurrence of uh, with the the players that were brought in by the team on the offseason was uh, Pringle was brought in by Poles. Poles, if if anybody should have a a good idea of what to expect out of this kid, well, Poles is the perfect guy, right? Um, Well, it's the same with St. Brown, right? Uh, I, I mean... Um, also, uh, I think, uh, I think another, uh, another good one is, um, uh, Al, Al-Qued Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the fact that, uh, Flus went and uh, plucked him away from the Colts. I think that was a great pickup. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, is that we've talked about it. We don't, we don't think that Quinn's going to be there. So we need guys, we need bodies, we need people to fill in. And that kid is, he, he's, he's much younger. I think he's 27. Um, and he had, I think seven sacks, I think, uh, maybe about the same in tackles for loss last year. So, you know, we need guys, they need guys. And out of all the guys, um, I think that, I think that was a a good, a good bring in. So, yeah. And I I think it like says something about the coaching too. I mean, Equinemia, there you go. There's an IDP guy yeah. way down the list. Equinemia Zane Brown wouldn't have signed with the Bears if he didn't think Luke Getze was a good coach. Unless he had no other option, which might be true. But same with Muhammad. You, you know, know, Roquan Smith has got to be a really good pick as IDP. Wouldn't you think? As what? What is that? As an individual defensive player. Oh you know, yeah, I, I would think he. I would think he'd be near the top of the I'm list. I'm sure. I, I've never actually done a league that gives you points for IDPs, but. I would assume Roquan's going to get a lot of tackles. Yeah, probably get a lot of forced fumbles. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Is you're looking for a guy that's generating a lot of turnovers, a lot of tackles. So you know linebackers tend to go pretty high, but of course you know your top uh, your your top outside guys and your top DBs are, are where where you're also going to make some make some cash. Yeah, I mean the hope is that the secondary is much better, so that. You know, you're not going to see as many explosives. Does anybody really believe that the secondary is not going to be huh. better than it was last year? I mean, it was absolutely awful. But the hope is that it's good, right? It's. I, so I, like, I think you know you were talking about um, uh, about uh, uh, about injuries, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, but if the secondary is better, then teams might run a lot more, and we know the Bears couldn't stop the run at all last year. So Roquan might get a lot of tackles that way because there's nobody up front to stop the run. But I think he's probably going to rack up a lot of stats, especially in a contract year, because it doesn't really sound like there's been any traction towards an extension with him. There's still time, but... What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess... Shades of Allen Robinson? Yeah, there's like so, so a lot of weird stuff going on, right? It's like... Number one, we don't know for sure that he even really wants to be here. I mean, I probably wouldn't blame him if he didn't after playing for Matt Nagy for four years. But number two, I also don't think he has his own agent. At least he didn't earlier in the offseason. So. That's what I've read is kind of the uh, is the, like the underlying problem is but, the whole not having an agent. But thing. he's also taking, if he were to go into next year with, effectively a one-year deal he would be taking a huge risk because if he gets injured then he could potentially not get a second contract if the injury is bad enough so I, I think they will get something done it's in everybody's best interest to get a contract done but you know it's definitely kind of weird that that wasn't done earlier in the offseason but I guess now that I think about it the Bears do have a bit of a history of 
extending their players during training camp. They did that with Eddie Jackson, I think. They did that with Cody Whitehair. Um, obviously, those were different regimes, but... That, and that's probably part of it, too, right? Yeah, it's like maybe like they're just like, hey, there's kind of a handshake deal. Like, we'll figure it out when we get to camp. I don't know, though. It's, it's a bit surprising, because... I would assume he could get a pretty nice deal with a lot of guaranteed money if he got it done today. I, I'm just uh, what I'm thinking though is that part of it simply could be you know the, it's they didn't draft him, you know the the new regime that came in they're looking at him to be a superstar, um, and you know he's he's definitely uh, as far as a linebacker is concerned he's proving himself to be worthy of that number five pick. But they didn't draft him, and they have to make sure that he is the fit for that coach, mm-hmm. right? That his that his talent level is maximized in this scheme, which it did well in the previous scheme, but we know that Flus's scheme is going to be quite different. Yeah. So we gotta we gotta see you know, because you're taking a guy that was an inside guy, and now you're putting him on the outside when you're putting him at that weak spot. And Morrow's going to be the the guy in the middle. So um, maybe they're waiting to see how that affects his his deal. I do believe at this point right now that Poles wants to sign him and wants to keep him and wants to give him the deal that he is worth. I would hope so. I, I think there's enough tape out there on him to know what kind of a player he is and. I've never heard any issues with him from an attitude perspective, but to your point, maybe they don't want to come in and just give a big contract out right away to a player they didn't draft. Maybe that's what they're thinking, but if you go into the year and you still don't have a deal done and the clock kind of starts ticking there and you also risk making the player angry, like is what happened with Allen <laughs> Robinson, right? Like, And then if it gets to week six and the Bears are like, hey, we want to get this done now, Roquan might be like, eh, you know, maybe free agency doesn't sound so bad. I just got to get through 10 more games. And, you know, maybe, you know, they don't care about that because the team's probably not going to be very good anyway. But I don't know. It's in everybody's best interest to get it done. So I, I think they will get it done before week one if I if I had to place a bet on it. Yeah, I I think I'm in agreement. I I, I do too. I think it makes the most sense. Um, And, you know, we'll we'll have to see how things play out because obviously we don't have a track record on polls uh, to see, you know, how how he flows with that kind of thing. But I I do. I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. So, like, that's going to be like his first big test as far as like dealing with players on the the roster, right? Exactly. So um, I do have one one more uh, thing to add, and we can stick it under our, our new heading of piles. So um, I was I saw a tweet: um, most expensive offenses in 2022 <laughs> on Twitter, and the Bears number 32 out of how many teams? <laughs> out of 32. Uh, well. <laughs> 62 million uh, is their number. In fact, they're the only team that is in the 60s, uh, other than Pittsburgh, who's at 63 million. The next one is Atlanta, number 30. They jump up to 74. So, uh, man, polls really did attack uh, that um, that big budget deficit that we we had and really wrenched it down. Now, some people will look at that and say. You know, see, I've been telling you guys they're not spending enough. 
And there's also the perspective of, well, this is also, they needed to get rid of some guys yeah. that they just didn't make sense with the team anymore. And they were huge chunks of money. So, you know, take it for what you will. I mean, I, I personally think that uh, they have to use this year as kind of a, a clean the slate year. Um, and, uh, you know, he he's shown that that's pretty much what he's doing. And I think that they can truly be players for big things next year, right? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, this goes back to something that Olin Krutz has talked about for years. I think even maybe when he was on the team. Because the Bears, over the last 10, 15 years, have consistently been towards the bottom of the league and how much money they spend yep. on their offensive line. And naturally, when the offensive line doesn't play well... Olin Jamarcus Krutz, Webb, yeah, anybody? Yeah, Olin Krutz is always like, well, of course we're not playing well. It's because we haven't allocated any resources to that. So you can only stick randos in there for so long before things start to look pretty bad. Bobby so, Massey? Yeah, well, that was actually one of the bigger deals they gave out. <laughs> he was. But, he was, like, rich compared to some of them. Yeah, so the fact that the offense is dead last in terms of the amount of money being spent in the NFL is certainly not a good sign, like... Money isn't everything. I mean, we've seen plenty of teams dump a bunch of money into their roster, and that team ends up not being very good. But typically, if you're at the lower end, it probably means that you're not going to be very good. And when you're the Bears and you don't have a lot of young players on cheap deals to be excited about, that means you're probably playing a lot of veterans that are making near the minimum league salary. So that is just one reason why the team is not looking to be very good and why, to go back to the beginning, everybody thinks they're going to win less than six games. So, we'll see. I mean... And and uh, so, to, to flip the script real quick, uh, Bears fans, uh, make a mental uh, projection as to who spent the most. And if you said Detroit... You win $123 million just above Dallas at $122 million. I was trying to figure that Washington out. Washington at $122 million. Tennessee and Arizona both at $121 million. And Kansas City at $120 million. Who is so, Detroit spending all their money on besides Goff? <laughs> Jared Goff sucks. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's getting, what, 50 I think I'm going to say that all year long, actually. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a huge, huge deal. I mean, they, you gotta remember, they gave him the, the giant fat numbers before he got traded. Yeah. So, and that was part of that deal was, you know, they, they sucked that up. So, um. And they got a bunch of draft picks to do it. They got, they got that. Uh. They, uh I think they have some big. They, DeAndre they have, Swift, didn't he, uh, didn't he get a, 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 a a, a pretty good sized deal already, maybe, and I think they've got some big deals on the line. So. The, the line guys, yeah. I'm not going to audit the numbers here. I'm going to assume that Warren Sharp was correct. But. Well, and and Sewell uh, was you know a very high pick, so he's got to be um, he's got to be up there somewhere. Okay, um, you know, so I I think that's uh, but still, I was just as surprised as you to see. Uh, See Detroit as number one. I wonder if that counts like dead cap too. So maybe Stafford is still mixed. I don't know, but I'm going to take the number at face value and right. the Bears 
being last certainly is around what I expect. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, even yeah, like you said, even if they're counting dead cat money, to, to see Detroit at the top is like wow. Well, they're <laughs> first place in something, I guess. So. They, they still look like they're going to stink this year, so yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not real sure what to say about that. Yeah, we'll see. So. Bears Lions will be a fun rivalry this year. <laughs> that's for sure. Number one versus number. 32. Hey, we can win that game. Hey, I think so. Okay, so uh, Bears fans, thanks once again for joining us. Uh, we will be back again uh, next week. Um, we uh, took a we took a couple of days, uh, a couple of weeks off, just because um, it was pretty slow. But uh, we, we're getting ready to gear back up. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. And have a good week. Bear down. <laughs>